That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. But what would Amber Heard's motive be for creating the hoax? Elaine Bredehoft steps down from representing Amber Heard during her appeal in the defamation case with Johnny Depp. But Ben Rottenborn stays. Under the First Amendment, the statements have to be false in order for Mr. Depp to win. And now two lawyers have joined the team. So what's the strategy? And will new lawyers help her win her appeal? I'm Anjanette Levy, and welcome to this latest edition of Law & Crime Sidebar Podcast, where we're taking a closer look at Amber Heard's new appellate lawyers and the issues she could face on appeal. Earlier this week, it was actually Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we got an email from her team saying that she had hired two new lawyers. Their names are David L. Axelrod and J. Ward Brown, and they are with the law firm Ballard Spar, and they've joined her appellate team as lead counsel. The pair successfully defended the New York Times against a defamation lawsuit filed by Sarah Palin earlier this year. And in a statement, both of the attorneys said that they welcome the opportunity to represent Ms. Heard in the appeal as it's a case with important First Amendment implications for every American. So they are focusing on the First Amendment issue in this case, which is interesting because that's what Ben Rottenborn focused on during his representation of Amber Heard during the trial. To discuss this and what issues uh, Amber Heard faces on appeal is Catherine Lazardo. She is a plaintiff's attorney out of Texas, and she and I covered the Depp Heard case together and uh, have covered every twist and turn along the way. So Catherine, welcome back to Sidebar. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me again, Anjanette. Catherine, what is your first reaction to hearing about David L. Axelrod? And this is David L. Axelrod, not the David Axelrod who worked for President Obama, both in the White House and on his campaign. This is somebody else. And J. Ward Brown of Ballard Spar, both of them, joining Amber Heard's appellate team as lead counsel. You know, we mentioned that they represented the New York Times successfully against Sarah Palin earlier this year. I don't think that was a particularly hard case for the New York Times to win, given the facts in that case. Uh, but what do you think of her bringing these two attorneys on? Well, my first reaction as to Amber Heard hiring appellate attorneys is it was something I expected. And I believe they had to do that. Uh, it's not uncommon for people to hire a separate lawyer for the appeals process because the appellate court is a completely different ballgame. It's not the same as the trial court. And it, the appellate lawyers have to have a certain demeanor, have to be very good with the writing skills because most of the arguments happen during the briefs, which are the legal arguments that they present to the court, even before they have the oral arguments in front of the appellate judges. So I'm not surprised that Amber Heard hired new attorneys. And in terms of the lawyers that she hired, it's very interesting because, uh, well, first of all, they are appellate lawyers, so that's great. And as you mentioned, that they represented the New York Times. So they're very versed with the First Amendment issues. And also, I read their, their bios on their website, and they have done a lot of appellate work. They're not just trial lawyers, but also have done appellate work. That's uh, a, a good skill for appellate lawyers for them 
to uh, hire. So in terms of actually using the same um, Ballard Spar as the law firm to represent them, I find it very interesting because as you know, Ballard Spar was the law firm that represented TMC at Johnny Depp's trial where they filed a motion to intervene and that is to basically stop Morgan Tremaine from testifying. The reason I find that interesting is because Amber Heard is claiming First Amendment issues again. And First Amendment issues will always be an argument for Amber Heard and her legal team because it's really their only game, their only play here. Uh, so they would have to focus on that on appeal. And Morgan Tremaine's ability to testify as a rebuttal witness at trial was important because as we know, First Amendment, truth is always a defense. And with Morgan Tremaine's rebuttal testimony, one of the truths of Amber Heard's testimony got shattered and her credibility was significantly affected to the jury. So I think it's an interesting coincidence and I wonder if it's even a coincidence. Support for Law & Crime Sidebar is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the absolute best in below-the-waist grooming. And let's face it, everybody likes to be well-groomed, and no one wants to have too much hair in certain places or anywhere for that matter, and Manscaped will help you with that. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped is here, and people are absolutely obsessed with it. People talk to me about it all the time. And when you order yours and open it, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of it. Best of all, the Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof, get that, and it has a 4000K LED light so you can get that precise shave and not leave hair all over the sink or in the shower. More than 5 million men around the world trust Manscaped to take care of all of their grooming needs. Get 20% off when you enter the code SIDEBAR on manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off when you log on to manscaped.com and enter the code sidebar. What are you waiting for? Everybody's talking about it. And Morgan Tremaine uh, was the person who handled the so-called uh, the infamous kitchen cabinet video. He said he came forward because he saw uh, what had give, been given to TMZ had been cut off at the beginning and the end where Amber Heard was setting up the camera and where she, he said she appeared to snicker at the end. Um, so he was upset about that. He also dispatched the camera crew to the courthouse back on May 27th of 2016 when Amber Heard filed that domestic abuse restraining order. And the, the thing that was important about his testimony was that he said he was dealing directly with the copyright holder uh, when he was uh, taking in that video for TMZ. So within 15 minutes, he was able to get that video and post it to TMZ's website. The copyright holder, of course, would have been Amber Heard because she's the one who actually owned the video and shot the video. So uh, that was kind of a roundabout way for the DEP team to get that in. Also, Catherine, I think it's important that we point out the motion to intervene, as Judge Ascarati said during her ruling, was the wrong motion for TMZ to file. She said motion to intervene, and I actually thought that was weird too. I would have thought just maybe some type of other motion where you're asking to bar his testimony based on you know TMZ's objection would have been more appropriate. Yes, and, and it's true that the motion to intervene was not the proper motion. The problem that TMC had was there was no other legal mechanism for them to uh, actually 
interject themselves into the trial because they were not a party to the trial and they had no interest in whatever the claim is at the trial, which Judge Ascarati appropriately ruled on and said, I'm sorry, TMC, this is not the proper motion. You're not a party. And even the issue of defamation is not an issue for you to be a part. That's why Judge Ascarati allowed Morgan Tremaine to testify. That's why I think one of the issues on appeal would be regarding who who holds the journalistic privilege. Is it TMZ or is it the journalist himself? And what happens when that journalist is a former employee? What's the mechanism for an entity like TMZ to stop them from testifying if they are willing, if the journalist is willing to testify? And I think it's important that we point out too, Morgan Tremaine was not forced to testify. He came forward of his own volition to the Depp legal team after watching the trial and seeing uh, the the kitchen cabinet video and hearing some other testimony. So nobody forced him to come forward and reveal a source or anything like that. He he did it on his own. So I think that's important to point out as well. Exactly. He's actually one of my favorite rebuttal witness because again, truth is the defense. And I think he provided the truth there. So he's one of the heroes for Johnny Depp's legal team. Now I want to read the statement from Amber Heard that she released through her spokesperson uh, when announcing her new legal team. Uh, she wrote, when when it comes to protecting the fundamental right of freedom of speech, we look at the jury's decision to paraphrase a famous quote, not as the beginning of the end, but merely the end of the beginning. A different court warrants different representation, particularly as so much new evidence is now coming to light. The minute I read the whole new evidence part of this, Catherine, I thought to myself, I don't understand what she could be talking about because as far as I am concerned, when you're doing an appeal, there's no new evidence allowed. You you have the record and the law. And that's what you look at for errors on the part of the court. Exactly. And quite honestly, Anjanette, I thought the whole statement, not just that part, but even the quote did not make sense for me. And we can talk about that separately. But in terms of the new evidence, you're right. The appeals process is not a new trial. So people have to remember that. The appeal is not a new trial uh, so that no new evidence will be admitted in the court of appeals. It will be limited to whatever evidence was entered in the trial court, in Judge Ascarati's court, whatever order, whatever ruling, whatever testimony. That's what is going to be looked at by the Court of Appeal. And this is a civil trial. It's not a criminal case that is being appealed. So the bar of what evidence the uh, Court of Appeal will look at will really be limited to what was the record in the lower court. Now, in terms of new evidence, if they're talking about ex uh, really extremely ex exigent um, circumstances that happened after the trial, let's say something involving the jury, and I mentioned that because they were uh, honing in on juror 15 and they're claiming that they found out that information after the fact, after the, the verdict, which Judge Ascarati uh, in her order already addressed that, no, you should have known this even before the trial. So those are the only issues I could think of that they will raise at, on appeal, that maybe they are still digging up new information about the jury. But other than that, I can't, I can't imagine what else they could bring because it's not allowed legally. 
And in criminal cases, you know, this is different. This is a civil case. But in criminal cases, uh, there are times when so-called newly discovered evidence can be considered on appeal. And then sometimes it's sent back to the trial court if there is truly newly discovered evidence. And I, I say that because that's basically evidence that wouldn't have been available at the time of trial. I mean, there are all kinds of rules about that. Um, how how often are civil cases overturned and thrown out, Catherine, and a new trial ordered on, on a case like this? Very rarely, uh, because the standard, again, is, is much lower for a civil trial than a criminal case that you mentioned. That's why in criminal cases, it they are the judges, the appellate judges, are much more critical and much more cautious. But this is a civil defamation case. There were a lot of evidence presented during a six week trial. So the Court of Appeals will have a very hefty record to look at. I used to be an extern for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the federal level. And here we have the state uh, Virginia Court of Appeals, but it has similar procedures. And when we used to um, review the records and the appellate briefs, we literally are limited to whatever the records that were presented to us by both parties. That's why uh, Johnny Depp had to file his own appeal as well. That's one of the reasons I believe is because they wanted to make sure the record to the Court of Appeal is complete so that they have the right to make sure everything that was critical in, in Judge Ascrati's court is admitted in the Court of Appeal so they can look at that. Other than that, new evidence is not allowed. Catherine, during the trial, Amber Heard and Elaine Bredehoff both, both basically said that Amber Heard was paying her legal bills. We found out after the trial that her homeowner's insurance, Travelers, uh, has that policy, was actually paying the legal bills and to date has paid more than $8 million for her legal bills. Can you even imagine? Uh, so going forward. Is Travelers still going to foot the bill for this appeal? It really depends on the language on Travelers policy, because if the policy language says that they are still on the hook on appeal, then most likely they are going to pay for the appeal. But here's the, the issue, though, is the verdict had actual malice. The, the jury verdict found actual malice against Amber Heard. And most insurance policies actually have that as an exclusion, meaning that if you're found with actual malice or intent, wrongful intent, then the policy is not applicable anymore and they don't have a duty to pay your attorney's fees. So I'm curious what travelers will do here if they make a gamble and say, hey, you know what? We'll ju we're just all in. We'll just pay all the legal bills, even up to the appeal, and then we'll sort that out. What usually happens is travelers have to approve first the lawyers, appeal lawyers to hire and also their rates. So if travelers is paid for the appeal, I would assume they approve the new appell appellate lawyers. And also it makes a question as to maybe that's why Elaine Bredehoff had to step down because travelers don't want to pay for multiple lawyers as to having Roddenborn there and Elaine Bredehoff also there for the appeal because that's a lot of lawyers and legal bills to pay. And like you said, they've all already put a bill of $8 million dollars. On top of that, New York Marine, which is the separate uh, insurance that is ha suing Amber Heard, 
they haven't approved the appellate lawyers as well. So that will be a contention in their separate lawsuit as to the bills piling up and New York Marine has no way to stop Amber Heard's legal team from incurring those fees. And then at the end of the day, they will be on the hook for that. That is going to be an interesting legal battle for them. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Catherine, there's been a lot of focus in the statement and by Ben Rottenborn. I mean, he was all about the headline, the statements made, the alleged three defamatory statements, the uh, just the fact that the First Amendment protected this speech. Uh, but couldn't you look at it from the other side of the coin, too, and say, well, then Adam Waldman's statements were were protected as First Amendment, you know, under the First Amendment, because he believed what he was saying was true. So, um, I mean, it's a double-edged sword here if you're going to hang your hat solely on a First Amendment argument. And we have to keep in mind uh, that the First Amendment does not protect defamatory statements. It means it doesn't protect lies made with actual malice. Exactly. And I think that you you really hit it on in terms of Amber Heard's legal team can't argue one way and, and disallow it for Johnny Depp's team. And Warren Bourne was focusing a lot of the defamation issues during his opening and closing arguments and even throughout the trial. And I think that's one of the major reasons why he's still on the legal team, because most likely when Elaine Bredehoff and um, Warren Bourne were divvying up the legal arguments, Warren Bourne was the one who fo- was focused on that. And so it's it makes sense for him to stay on with the legal team as it goes to the appeal because he will know the nuances, he will know uh, certain facts that m- that the, the new appeal lawyers won't know. So they need someone from the trial uh, lawyers to help them out, make sure they know every single nooks and cranny of the trial. But isn't the crux still what was the truth? And the jury was tasked with hearing the evidence and determining as the finder of fact, determining yeah. the truth? Definitely. The truth is always the defense for these defamation cases. And we saw, and I say we, as in the public saw what the truth was based on the evidence that we looked at. When this, before this trial started, I was not a pro-Deb or pro-Amber Heard. I just wanted to see what the facts would be. And as I watched evidence, you, as a lawyer, as a perspective of a legal professional, I started seeing the evidence and 
I thought this, yes, the, the verdict for Johnny Depp was very appropriate based on the overwhelming evidence and the truth being the defense for his defamation case. It's interesting to me that that is still such a point of contention here, and it's still divided people so much because I think that a lot of us watching every minute of this trial felt that Johnny Depp's team in their case in chief put on a really strong case. I mean, I think we were all a little surprised at how strong the case was. So I, I didn't find the jury's verdict surprising in the least. I do want to go back to circle back to Elaine Bredehoft, the lead counsel during the trial for Amber Heard. Uh, she released a statement saying, this is the perfect time to pass the baton. I have pledged to Amber and her appellate team my complete cooperation and assistance as they move forward on a path towards success. I, I find this interesting because she was lead counsel, so she would have been calling most of the shots, I would think. You know, if Rottenborn said, well, I, you know, I think we should do this. I mean, she would have been able, I guess, to overrule him. I, I don't know that, but that's just my thinking. Is there any argument to be made at, at the appellate level in a civil case that she wasn't effective in representing Amber and therefore deserves a new trial? Hmm, that is an interesting take on that. Uh, and to be honest, I haven't thought about that part only because Amber Heard and Elaine Bredehoff seem to be very close and tight knit. We've seen uh, Elaine being part of Amber Heard's legal team, even at the UK trial. Uh, Elaine was there when Amber Heard won the UK trial and was giving a press release. And so Elaine has been with Amber Heard this whole time. And it did surprise me that she stepped down because she really did not need to step down. She could just be on board, like you said, with Rottenborn and just helping uh, the appellate counsel with the, with the appeals process. She's right that this is the right time to pass the baton if there is a baton to be passed in terms of changing counsel. But since she's been here for such a long time, that's why it's very surprising. Now, whether or not Amber Heard will go after her for possible um, insufficient counsel, that will be uh, something interesting to see because, because Elaine Bredehoff was the one who was trying to defend uh, Amber Heard during her testimony. And we saw how Elaine was having difficulty in terms of Camille Vasquez direct examination with Amber Heard. And then Elaine had to come in for a rebuttal. And she had a hard time with that, with all of the objections that Camille appropriately raised. Do you recall? I'm trying. I'm trying. Catherine, I think it's important to note, too, a lot of people on Twitter, at least, uh, found it somewhat comical that Elaine Bredehoff in her statement used the word pledged, given how much we heard about versus donation, donate on, during the trial. So just a little funny thing I thought we should mention there that uh, I'm not sure that that was probably the best cho choice of words, but only those probably following this closely would have noticed that that little tidbit. Uh, well, Catherine Lazardo, thanks as always for coming on and offering your time to us, your expertise. It's always fun. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me again. And that's it for this edition of Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. It is produced by Sam Goldberg and Michael Dininger. Bobby Zoki is our YouTube manager. Alyssa Fisher handles our bookings. And Kiara Bronson does our social media for us, and she does a great job. You can listen to Sidebar on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, you can watch it on Law and Crime's YouTube channel. I'm Anjanette Levy, and we will see you next time.